This is the Baltimore, 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 Baltimore Underground Radio Podcast. Showcasing local musicians, playing songs, and getting the interview. We'll also bend your ear about gear. Baltimore, we are sick with talent. Put your ears on. It's time to listen. In today's episode, host Bronson Hoover interviews multi-instrumentalist and former Belvedere's bandmate, Jason Butcher. Take it away, Bronson. Rated triple R for language. Raucous, raunchy, and real. Jason Butcher is a cowboy poet. In the light of day, he's a tradesman with a blue-collar swagger, sandpaper hands, muddy boots, an old red pickup truck in the driveway. He has a happy-go-lucky smile and a twinkle in his eye that makes him the center of attention with great ease. Or so I thought. It turns out Jason Butcher also has struggled with crippling doubt, self-loathing, and chronic addiction. I knew Jason to be a drummer with impeccable time, a guitarist with raw power and an enigmatic frontman. Some people are great at hiding the storm. There's a lot of talent in the Butcher family. Jason's wife Kelly is a fantastic singer and front person for the band The Belvedere's. We begin our conversation with Kelly's explanation of the deep connection between Jason's recovery and his powerful new album. Kelly posted something on Facebook this uh, the week that your album um, came out, uh, Better Days, came out March 1st. She posted something on Facebook that I just wanted to share with, with people because it, it's so touching and I, I feel like it just cuts right to what I wanted to talk to you about anyway. Um, she starts off by talking about how you guys met, the bands you've been in. Um, and how <laughs> I love this little story that she said that, uh, and I didn't know this either. That at one point WT and D called you the backbone of Baltimore's alt country scene, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that was, I think that awesome. was Sam Sessa that said that. <laughs> yeah. Sam, Sam, he's the man. I had been I on Sam. so many albums at, at that point that were, you know, like Caleb Stein, they were playing, I was on his record and June star yeah. and among wolves and like, yeah, it was like, so <laughs> I, I was and, the common yeah. thread there, I guess. 
Yeah, so the backbone. <laughs> so that's cool. And, and then she talked about how um, just lots of people were always giving you compliments because you're a talented son of a bitch, man. Like you play everything, you write every you're a great writer. You, talent is just pours out of you, dude. <laughs> like it's it's Thank amazing. You, so, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, so her her then her next uh, little thing here in her post, which is what I wanted to read, was. Um, although the admiration and the compliments were very commonplace, it is not something that he ever felt was true about himself. His own self-worth was low, battling demons on the inside while consistently smiling on the outside. Let many think, even those closest to him, that everything was okay. Depression is tricky like that. Unfortunately, the societal norm has always placed mental health on the back burner, which spirals things like depression out of control, often leading to addiction. This was the unfortunate case that my husband had dealt with for most of his adult life. But after his surrender and the grace of God, a light in him switched on, which brought him to the other side, a side that I often didn't think he would make it to, and in his darkest moments, he didn't think he deserved to make it to. But he got there, and with that, he found whatever it was that he needed to find. Perhaps it's different for everyone. Quite a few of these songs on the record, and she's talking about the, your new record, Better Days, uh, being released this week were ones written crawling out of the darkness. You know, it's it's funny, just about the um, touching on the writing aspect of it. Um, you know, with Among Wolves, I had a couple songs on strewn throughout you know those three records we did over 10 years and um you know at my darkest and it was like it was like pulling teeth always to to try and finish a song and you know i was um just never completely happy or just like eh, it's all right or whatever but it you know these um all the songs on this record you know um came within one month of um you know just kind of after I'd surrendered to just addiction and just, you know, I, I, I got to a place in my life where, where I had nothing, but I had everything. Like it was just a point where I had lost it all. Um, but I was like at peace within myself. I was like, well, finally, and now I can just start over and whatever happens, happens. I, you know, and, and I don't even know how to explain it, but it, there was just this peace and serenity that kind of came over me. And, um, you know, and all these songs just started pouring out and, um, you know, I, I, you know, people call it, you know, a, uh, <clears throat> you know, a burning bush moment or a God moment, or, you know, I, I don't know what it was, you know, I'm, I'm not a religious guy per se, but I'm a spiritual person, you know, and I, mm -hmm. I believe there's forces at work, you know, in, in, uh, in the universe that, you know, I guess I was lucky enough to, to find one. So, you know, well, Kelly mentioned that there was a, a light that switched on. Was there like a a moment? But uh, was there a particular? Was there like a day that that you can pinpoint? Was um, yeah, it was. It was a. It was a, a couple. It was a couple days. Um, you know, I I won't go into all the details of the story, but it was a. Uh, you know, like I said, it was the lowest point in my life. You know, I. I'll just say I I had lost everything, you know, and I, and and not even so much lost it. I gave it up, you know. I was just I was um, I was ready to whatever was you know death, homelessness, whatever was coming my way. I was ready to accept that, and that was going to be, you know, I thought that was going to be my life, and um, you know, just help of of friends and 
and um being at that at that low point you know it like i said it was like i had to lose it all to gain everything back you know i was sitting there with nothing like okay well there's nothing left to lose so i guess i'll try and I, I was willing to try anything, you know. Had you been in? Had you done rehab before? Was was this? Yeah, yeah. I I had um. <laughs> so the, you know, uh, two years ago, um, at this time, I was in a facility, and um, yeah, I just not wanting to be there. You know, I, I just I knew that. Um. I just, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't stop, you know, I couldn't quit, even though I had everything on the line to, to lose. And, and, um, there was just, my mind was, was so distorted, you know, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't find peace anywhere. I couldn't find any sort of hope, you know, and, and, um, when I came out, you know, I tried to hang on for a couple months and, uh, around April of 2019, um, just everything finally just fell apart. So but before that, you know, I, I spent years off, you know, most, most of my, my main, um, you know, uh, addiction choice or, you know, uh, was, is opiates, you know, heroin pills, whatever, but, uh, and alcohol as well. But, um, opiates were the thing that really, you know, talking about depression and stuff. I mean, that was the self medication for me. That was what filled that that hole inside of me that, that yeah. nothing else could, you know what I mean? And, and when I found that I held on to it with everything I could, you know? Um, and, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so I, I had been in two, that was, I was in two facilities within a couple months. And, um, like I said, before that I, it had been years of, you know, little outpatient rehabs and I was on methadone and I was, you know, maintenance. It was just, years of back and forth and trying to find some way to cope and to deal with, you know, with living life, but trying to live, you know, not, not figuring out a way to live life without my, you know, that, that, that thing that, that, uh, that filled the part of me that I, that I couldn't fill with, with other, with other things. Yeah. So, so do you have a North star now? Like how, what's, what's the guiding force that's, it's keeping you or or is there one like it's really hard to say i mean like i said it's just you know this kind of peace came over me when i finally you know like i there it's a long story about all the things that happened in those couple days you know and um uh you know i i do i do 12 step pro you know meetings and stuff um that helps you know i got a lot of friends in, in in those programs um mostly aa um and it's funny you know a lot of people from the outside think it's like a religious program and all that stuff and it's it's not it's nothing like that at all um it's just it's it's really a program for for a better way of living it's you know Mm -hmm. i mean some people you know take the religious side of it and but for me it's just it's just about being a better person Mm -hmm. and you know those um and that's, you know, that's what I was prepared to do. You know, I was tired of, of living a shitty life. Yeah. And, you know, I was tired of, of leaning on a crutch, you know, to fill all the things inside me that I, you know, I couldn't figure out how to fill by myself. Um, you know, and I tried different medications and all that stuff. And now, you know, I don't, I don't take anything. I don't have any sort of medications. And I just, um, you know, I, I take time to meditate, you know, I, I, I read, I read, uh, 
you know, certain things. And there's like a, a book, uh, it's called daily reflections. That's just, you know, kind of a, a guide to your daily, you know, just things you can do every day to, to just keep your soul, uh, your soul light shine, yeah. so to speak. Well, you know, so I, and um, I, I hear a little bit of, uh, kids in the background how do they <laughs> oh you can hear that a little bit yeah it's, how... it's uh so i mean you know as you know my, my kids are young on the younger side so the my youngest is is uh he'll be four in june so you know he was kind of oblivious while that was going on my oldest is 10 though and um so i've had conversations with him and and he knows you know how i've struggled and whatever questions he has you know i answer to the best of my ability, you know, some things obviously, you know, details we don't go into yet, but, but he knows, you know, that my head, you know, I, I had, you know, back then it was just, uh, I had to go to the hospital for, you know, my head was like sick, you know, when we get sick for your stomach or whatever, you know, so we kind of started with that and it's, it's, you know, grown into, um, you know, the depression thing and, and substances, you know, not, uh, necessarily what they are yet, but as far as drink, I mean, you know, he knows I don't drink and, um, and he, he, he has no problem telling people like my dad doesn't drink. You yeah. know? So, so I th you know, he kind of wears it as a, a badge of honor, I guess a little bit. Cause you know, I've told him that like, for me to do those kind of things anymore is, um, um, you know, I, that I, I probably wouldn't be here. So, mm. you know, cause there is no choice, you know, for me anymore, there's no in between. Right. You know, if, if I go back and do those things, I go back to where I was and, right. and I don't, and I don't want, you know, and that's the thing too, is I don't, I don't, I don't want to be there anymore. I love my family and I love, and today I, I love myself. I can live, you know, within myself and be comfortable in my own skin. And, um, you know, just, that was a lot of reading and a lot of meditation and, and a lot of release. There's a whole lot of release, you know, that went on, um, just childhood stuff and, you know, uh, damages, you know, that needed to be, that's just a lot of shit I never dealt with. And I dealt with all of it. And yeah. it was just the absolute most beautiful, like freeing thing that I'd ever done in my life. And and that, that was really the light. I mean, that was the thing that I did that, um, you know, that kind of brought the light on inside of me, you know, is I was tired of living with all these things inside of me that I, I never wanted to deal with and talk about. And I dealt with them all. And that was like, whew. wow. So Cath cathartic then, it sounds like oh my god just unbelievably you know so does, does that is it like a weight lifted like you feel lighter just oh, in your day-to-day -day? light years i mean you know i can make it through the day now without just you know um crippling anxiety or or you know you know feelings of dread and hopelessness and yeah you know um self-esteem you know, because I'd always, I would just get angry at myself. Like, why can't you do this? Why can't you handle this? Why can't you just, you know, solve these problems, push these things down or, you know, why can't you just forget about them? You know, just all that, all that, you know, just self hatred and, you know, yeah. So, so you started playing drums really early then. Yeah. My, my uncle's band Savannah, they were called, um, and, you know, back in the 80s and 70s and 80s, you know, you could tour, you know, 350 days a year mm -hmm. just playing, club. you know, those big clubs and stuff. I mean, they traveled with their own light show and a horn. You know, it was like a eight, 10 piece band. And, 
you know, it was kind of reviews and medleys and, you know, I mean, they would do Beach Boys shit with the harmonies and, and costume changes. I mean, it was a show, you know, wow. it was crazy, man. I mean, like, and he he was on tour with that band, like, seriously, like 300 and some days out of the year. And um, so when they would come to town, like once I, I think I, I was uh, I was six years old the first time I sat in and played uh, old time rock and roll, as a matter of fact. Wow. <laughs> Just a four on the floor, easy, yeah. you know, easy tune. But so anytime they would come through, you know, that was kind of their shtick to have me come up and, you know, a, a kid come up and play uh, play drums. But um, when did you start branching out and learning other other instruments? Because you are a phenomenal guitarist too, man. Your, your solo stuff, especially with some of the Among Wolves stuff that I was listening to the past few days, is killer. When was there a guitar first in your house? that you could pick up and uh, I was around like 13 or 14. Um, one of my uncles uh, played guitar and I got a little, you know, mini classical and uh, started messing around with that. And a little nylon string. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love those things. Which, yeah. It was, it was so much easier to, I, I remember <laughs> the first thing after playing for a few months when I picked up the first like acoustic steel string and like my fingers were bleeding within yeah. like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. What was the first um, actual band, like not not like you know high school band, but like the first band where you got paid that you played with? How old were you? When was that? Um, well, actually, in our high school band, we we started getting gigs. Um, probably my senior year, so I was eighteen. There's a band called Jupiter Menace. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it had something to do with. I think there was some sort of uh, meteor or something. <laughs> <laughs> we heard this story anyway i i've never actually looked it up nowadays with with google and whatnot to see if it's true but some sort of meteor was supposed to smash into jupiter and and explode and block out the sun <laughs> which at now does not sound believable at all so hey, it could happen <laughs> but, man. Uh, right um but yeah you know we started hitting bars and and stuff like that and and recorded an album of um you know, the kind of songs that 17, 18 year olds write in, in high school, at right. least these 17, 18 year olds, you know, there again with, you know, getting back to like music being like this, this dream thing, you know, everything that you see as a kid, or at least for me, like I, I had this, you know, thing in my head that, you know, to, to be a musician, to be a rock star was to, to, was to party. Like that was part of it. Mm. Like, you know, they went hand in, like you couldn't have one without the other, you know? Um, all the bands that I read about, you know, growing up and looked up to. And, um, you know, it, it never dawned, you know, it didn't dawn on me until I got old, much older, <laughs> you know, and really started learning uh, and working in music and, and writing and recording and stuff. You know, most of these bands, like, the, you know, they don't become drug addicts and alcoholics until after they get famous. And, you know, they, and most they, of them were in their 40s. Right. <laughs> You know, you know, they worked their ass off when they were younger yeah. to, to get where they were. You know, I mean, all that, the, you know, the, the partying and craziness that all came later when they were on the road and they were already famous, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's funny, like with the wolves, you know, we, um, we never had the mentality that we were rock stars per se, but we just had the mentality that, you know, you needed to drink and do drugs to make good music, you know, cause that's what all the bands we listened to. Yeah. You know, most of them, that's what, you know, that's what we did. And we just, that was just part of our thing you know that's just what we did and it um it worked for a long time until it didn't you know 
And, and that's not really the reason, you know, I'm the only one that, that ended up, you know, uh, in such a bad way. And I was already on my way there before the band. So, you know, the band started. So it's not like that had any effect on that. When did that band start? Um, it was around like 2006. And your first um, album came out in 08. Is that, am I remembering that correctly? Uh, 2007. Seven. Okay. Um, they had already done some demos and stuff. And, um, our first album was kind of a, a mix of, I was working at a small studio, uh, mostly doing commercials and stuff for the studio. But, um, we recorded four or five tunes there and then put like kind of the best three or four demos I think that they had um, and that was just a self-titled The Brown <laughs> cover album with the little tree on it The Brown is that what it's called The Brown cover uh, you know I, it's, it's, until I said that to you today I don't think it ever had that name before but until I told you today The Brown album that's funny <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there's a song on that album called Baltimore and I and when I saw that I was like oh that's cool I can play that song for the for the podcast but i don't think you say the word baltimore once in the entire song so that's <laughs> we do not no <laughs> so I, i'm like there's no point in using that <laughs> there is a song on that album though called bottle that i freaking love the um the synth part the keyboard part on that So on, on albums like that, and maybe even to this day, because that was a that was a while ago. How how do you approach drumming on a on on a song like that on on any of the songs? What's your approach? Um, I mean, especially in in that the wolf the Hmong wolf stuff. Um, I, I guess I just call it you know songwriter drumming. You know, serving the song. Um, you know, there's little flashy things here and there. Um, um, and that song, or in particular, actually, I always loved playing that. There's like the 16th note hi-hat, like between the snare and, and a weird thing going on that I always liked to do. Um, but just, you know, creative drumming, but that fits the song, you know. Um, yeah. Serving the song, and but being creative and not, uh, you know, not overshadowing the song itself, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, that's kind of the most important thing for me. For a band like that, you know, and most of my own writing myself is, is you know, the songwriting, um, you know, and whatever, whatever flashy, uh, you know, hip stuff you can throw in there, it, it just makes it even better, you know. So let me ask you one of the most divisive questions in the history of musical drumming. Are you, do you like Ringo Starr or do you not like Ringo Starr? I do. Um, I love Ringo Starr, actually. Well, I, I thought of that question just now because you said that, the, that you're playing to the song. And, and that's the thing that I just I wish people understood about Ringo, that he played to the song. And that's what made that. That's the beautiful thing about it. He was yeah. melodic and he played for each each note was crafted to hit in the right spot for the song right absolutely absolutely and um and, you know and he had kind of an avant style too that you know people it didn't uh really uh show that until there was an interview um i think with dave stewart some some show um you know dave stewart from the eurythmics um and he's he's actually a left-handed drummer 
but he plays a right-handed kit. So mm. a lot of his fills come come from the the left side. Uh, and I have so, heard that before because if you if you have to think like him to get some of the fills to match up, ex- right? Because it's like when you're trying, you know, you're listening to how he plays and does some of the fills and stuff, and you're like, that make that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would yeah? You know? So that that was kind of his a big aha secret moment that you know so many drummers are like oh shit okay <laughs> yeah well that's what i'm doing right now because i actually got to learn a beatles tune for another band in a couple of weeks and i'm like oh uh, as a drummer so i'm like i better i better think oh about no that. kidding yeah. i don't know you were playing some drums nice yeah that's that is my release the drums mm-hmm. man whenever i'm having a rough day and I'm, I'm like leave me alone i'm going to beat on some drums nice yeah yeah man it's it's definitely you can get some you can get some aggression out. Yeah. Do you have a um, a songwriting process or are you one of those folks who you're just walking through the living room and something comes and you just sit down and start like you, you vomit out the song or do you craft it for months and months? Um, I've had them or either come always. Yeah. yeah I, I've had them come always. And I, I, um, I, I'm, I'm definitely not a months and months guy though. I get hung up on stuff. And if I get hung up on it, then I, especially nowadays just kind of have that attitude, um, that it's just, I, I mean, unless I'm like, you know, on the verge of finishing or something, but you know, if I've got a couple lines or a, or a, you know, a chorus or something, but just can't quite get the rest or not happy with it, then I just, I usually just move on. It's just not meant to be, um, but most of the time, I mean, the songs for this record, especially, were like bam, 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 which never, that's the first time really that that's ever happened so quickly. Most of the time, it's, you know, cut a few lines here, work on it for a bit, and maybe come back to it the next day or something. I have like, you know, severe, I have not severe, but I have pretty, pretty heavy ADD. So, mm. you know, especially. You know, when I was younger, it would it would be hard for me to sit like for an hour and just work on one song or mm. get hung up on a line. I couldn't get hung up on a line because I would have to get up and just kind of, you know, get out of my head for a little bit. But that was kind of the thing about the songs on on this Better Days record. It it for the first time in my my life, like I it was like somebody else was moving my hand. I mean, it was really like. And uh, an out of body experience. I don't even know how to explain it. It, it really was just, you know, um, it was crazy, mm. and that's never happened to me before. So it was, uh, it was just, you know, I guess that's why these songs are a pretty special place. Yeah, <clears throat> I heard a, yeah. I heard a quote once that uh, they someone said that songs float through the air, and you're just trying to catch them. Right. And and, yes. and if you're standing downwind of Paul Simon, you don't ever get to write a song or something, you know, something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I have. Uh, I forget who said that, but I've definitely heard that. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. You were in a band called Among Wolves for a long time. Um, you guys aren't. Yeah, but are you. Ten years. I guess you could call a hiatus. Really. Yeah, I, I mean, say, you know, was, we're just that's not... what I was going to ask. Are you are you if there's are talks about you guys doing something again someday? Once the world gets back someday, to normal, <laughs> you know? someday maybe. Yeah. Well, I I confess I knew nothing about Among Wolves before you and I started talking about having you here on the podcast, and I have been shedding your three albums like crazy, and I freaking love them, man. They're just so good. And Thank you. one of the things I love the best about them is is 
I mean, the harmonies are great. All of it's great. Just the songwriting is great. But what I love is that I don't know what the next song is going to be like. Like, you have a song that could be off the Pet Sounds album. You know what I mean? Like you have a songs mm-hmm. that sound like the Beach Boys. Then you, then the next song sounds like Green Day. Then you got like Counting Crows vibe. Then you got like an OK Go vibe. I mean, it's like, it's <laughs> it's phenomenal, man. It, you're, you guys, you can, you do everything. We would say we had like a country set and a rock set, yeah. you know, and or like a roots, you know, whatever. And uh, and um, the bass player at the time played drums. Um, a, a good friend of mine I played with for a long time, and um, and I was starting to write, you know put some of my songs in the mix yeah. and so i would come out front and the bass player would go play drums and one of the other guitar players would play bass and so you know we would switch up in the middle of uh you know in the middle of our sets and you know we did that for a while and then um we ended up getting uh another another drummer and i went out front and um yeah so but then we had five members so we could also do you know a little more of the bigger soundscapes if you will and whatnot that like you said some of the songs have when you decided that when you wanted to come out front was that was that like you go to the band and you say hey i i want to sing out front i want to lead a little bit or was the band like dude why are you not singing lead in the front (laughs) like yeah it, it was it was kind of a little bit of both you know we uh the the band was so organic you know we really didn't have to it was it was easy. You know what I mean? We, I mean, you know, there were moments like any band, yeah, I mean, right. we didn't always agree, but you know, as far as something like a big move like that, you know, to put another personality yeah. in front of the stage. I mean, you know how dealing with singers and front people are. Yeah. I mean, um, except for your wife, of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, uh, she knows my number and I know she's listening. So I just, you know, got to get that in there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it just it just naturally, you know, it was just the natural progression of the band and we were all just like, Yeah, let's 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 do that. And you know, and so it just evolved again. All right, so you have a new album. I do. It's freaking killer, man. I'm serious. Uh first track well, I want definitely part thanks in part to, to you as well. Well, I think I had I think I had like four measures and that's plenty. So oh, please. Um, <laughs> The first song I wanted to ask you about was I'll Be Around. I love that song. That's when you sent me the demos the first time. I was, it's just so pretty. Um and the first verse in that song, dude, is like it's so heart-wrenching now that I know the story. Stories behind him, you know. Now, now that I know what you've been going through. When you sent me the demos, I mean until a few weeks ago, I had no clue. I just was I was out of the, Mm -hmm. I just wasn't aware. Well, you know, and that's not something you usually, like you said, we knew each other, but we had never sat down for real in depth. And that's, you know, unless it comes up, I'm usually like, so uh, let's talk about my recovery and recovery. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in, in I'll be around the first verse is heart wrenching. And you say, you're talking about, I'm assuming you're talking about your kids. You say, may you grow up fast and grow up strong. Don't forget me when I'm gone May you grow up fast and grow up strong Don't forget me when I'm gone I'll be every word that you're hanging on And if it's more than you can tell 
I know you said that you that these songs just sort of came out. What what was this, going through your head with this with this one? This one was the the first one um, <laughs> I had been in this. Wow. Yeah, I had been in this facility for well, um, I had been away from my family. Uh, I've been in two different facilities for, at this time for like two weeks, but that was when I was really like I said earlier starting to feel like all this weight lifting off like I was I was writing letters to people that you know I needed to say things to and wow um you know family and and old you know like I said I was I was I was letting it all out and it felt so good and this song um this one in particular like I said was I I it was done in like 10 minutes Mm. and and there was like there was another force in the universe that guided my hand. I, I, it was just, it was like, you know, an experience like I've never had and I will never forget it. And it was, if it never happens again, I'll be okay with that because like, you know, I, I almost, you know, get tears thinking about it. It was just yeah. like this experience that I, you know, it was, it was what I needed. And it's really what kind of set the whole, you know, I was already, you know, feeling like something had changed in me and I, and I was ready to make a change and I knew things were going to be okay as long as, you know, I was okay. And, um, and yeah, and this song just, just happened and it was, you know, it's, it's a really special song to me. Um, I always wanted to, you know, since having kids have a song you know, for them, but something that wasn't cheeky and cheesy and, you know. If it's more than you can take, don't let your young heart break, because I'll be around. That's gorgeous, man. Thank you so much. Next thing I wanted to ask you about was um, was don't panic. With Kelly's Facebook posts um, about how uh, you're not you weren't good at ex- maybe still aren't good at accepting compliments, right? You were like, <laughs> I could never love myself as a line in that song, and I was like, oh, so it was one of those things where it, like the whole story is started started coming together for me this week. What was going through your head when you were writing that one? Um, that was an, another one where just, you know, I mean, that was probably the biggest uh, hurdle, you know, in my life that I, I couldn't get over that, uh, um, 
you know, like she talked about in, in the post, you know, I mean, talent and, 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 you know, accolades and people telling you you're great and you're this and you're that, you know, um, a, a full heart that does not always make, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, and I just, you know, it, it didn't matter when I would go home or, you know, after all that, I just still just didn't love me when it comes down to it, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, I didn't care what happened to me, you know, um, and it took me a long time to, to realize that, you know, how selfish that was actually, you know, I, I thought I, I didn't think I was being selfish because it was like, um, you know, I, I don't care about myself. It's not about me. And, and, you know, until I started to realize how much my life has an effect on other people's, especially, you know, children and family mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, and I, you know, so in, in turn, that, that's been one of the biggest things, um, through recovery for me is, is, is gratitude and, 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 uh, humility, just, you know, um, being humble and, and, you know, learning all those things that I didn't, you know, I thought were where I wasn't being selfish were actually some of the most selfish actions, you know, that, that I could take. Kelly said in her post that uh, the song Lady Fingers was something that you wrote crawling out of the darkness. And, you know, I don't know. I was in honors English in high school and all the kids around me always understood what the poems meant. And I was like, I don't know, they're pretty words. And I never figured it out. Right. That's how I felt about Lady Fingers. Like I was listening to it and I was trying to figure out what is he saying? And I, I couldn't quite figure it out. So what's a lady finger? What's it mean? <laughs> That is really, uh, honestly, uh, that was one of the ones that just, I, that is, that is not really based in recovery. <laughs> just a song. <laughs> that is just, uh, you know, uh, a sexy little kind of, you know, Jamiroquai, D'Angelo kind yeah. of R&B vibe tune. Same story, but a different game, different game, different game, and I've been playing for too long. done a song in that in that style before was this a departure for you or is this something you've always had on your like wish list or i would say that on a wish list sure um in my own personal writing yeah it's definitely the first time i've written a song like that um and there again you know i just i let it write itself um you know i I pulled out a couple semi-expensive chords from my (laughs) background and you know you're you're overpriced there's a couple overpriced d minor 11 or (laughs) yeah there's a couple nines and sharp fives in there and and, uh (laughs) and uh look at you and look at you in the sharp five I have no idea what it even means. Uh, well, I just wanted to say. Let, let me tell you what, man. I played a blues gig two years ago, and after after I got off the stage, the keyboard player who was playing in the next band looks at me and goes, "Man, you snuck in a thirteen chord." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "Man, that was brave at a blues show." I was like, "Come on, dude." 
<laughs> right? I can sneak in a 13 core. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> you made your own hell. You might even sell that red carpet. The baggage will bottom of it. Ladyfingers has some like trippy, spacey stuff. It's got like this really cool like swell and drop section and stuff. Is that stuff that you went to Steve and you're like, I want to, I want to do a swell drop here, or, or was he helping you? Was he guiding you through some of that stuff? No, I mean, you know, I, I had some ideas and I said, you know, I wanted there to be like a breakdown section there and the percussion and whatnot and. ideas and it was steve's job to bring especially like the swell and stuff like yeah. that i'm like i'm hearing this i want to do this and i'm like and you know you make it happen yeah so you know a, a lot of that stuff was just me going i'm hearing something can what can we do you know So the album is out digitally, um, and where where do we go to to find that? So um, there, it's on Spotify, uh, it's on iTunes, Apple Music, Pandora, all those. So when people search for Jason Butcher, what do they find? <laughs> I think they find like a tattoo guy, and yeah, the, uh, I think there's an MMA yes, fighter. Yes, there is. I was like, who is that guy? It doesn't look anything like Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, that, I mean, that was, I, I didn't, you know, I purposely, and to some people's, you know, uh, I guess frustration, <laughs> I didn't name, you know, I didn't put my name on this album. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I It felt weird to me to, you know, I, I still have trouble taking compliments and or yeah. making things about me yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and i just i didn't i just wasn't feeling it so just you know the album's called better days the group you know we have some gigs will be called better days and that may be confusing because it's my thing but i mean there's plenty of people that have you know bands or whatever that have done that so and you have some um some physical products coming as well for this album yeah there's uh there's cds and you know if you want to buy online they're through cd baby um and obviously i'll have them at shows you know i've been doing some little acoustic gigs and stuff uh, i'll be doing some more through the summer at certain places um jay butch music uh is the facebook um you know i always put on there where i'm playing there's going to be a really beautiful vinyl release um a friend of mine uh chris roth from right pads 
um, print and design guy is uh, <clears throat> making a beautiful booklet uh, that's going to go with the vinyl. I'm not going to get into too much, but there's going to be a bunch of, you know, little trinkets and fun stuff, neat stuff that's going to come with it. And um, the presentation, is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really, really nice, really nice vinyl. Beautiful music, man, and uh, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I love you. I'm so happy, so happy that you are doing well, and and uh, the world is happy you're doing well, man. We're all we're all with you, dude. Well, thank you so much for having me, Bronson. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Absolutely. It was it was definitely my honor. Jason's new album, Better Days, dropped on March 1st, 2021. Make sure you give it a listen. Depression and addiction are medical conditions that will only improve in the light of day. I am very grateful and touched that Jason was willing to share his story with us. He's not alone. If you struggle with depression or suicidal thoughts, please know that there are people who want to listen. You can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. If you're in Baltimore, the Helping Up Mission is a powerful resource for addiction. You can find them at helpingupmission.org, or you can call them at 410-675-7500. Thanks for listening today. As always, you can find more information about me at bronsonhoover.com, or send me a message at burp.media. Take care, guys. Baltimore Underground Radio Podcast is brought to you by Burp Media. That was a good one. We invite you to become a supporter at patreon.com slash burpmedia. If you would like to become an official sponsor, contact us via our website at burp.media.